welcome to It's All Connected, a Marvel Studios podcast brought to you by MCUExchange.com. It's all connected. Everything. question on everybody's mind ken what did you do on your summer vacation i did everything and nothing we know what you didn't do i didn't record a damn thing (laughs) i don't think i laid down one bit of track all summer long and i I hate myself for it but the it's been very busy at work, very busy at uh, camp and out in the woods with the, my son and the Cub Scouts. So it's just been a busy week. But here we are, what is it, one week out from the premiere of season three of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I thought I'd better get back in on this so I'm ready for the, the new season. Yeah, all that free time that we talked about that we had before the TV season started up is, is gone. Uh, yeah. R- Russ and I are, are not without blame. This is the long-awaited episode 73 of It's All Connected. Yep. Uh, we took a little bit of a hiatus. Russ had a busy summer vacation as well. <laughs> yeah. Some of it good, some of it not so good. Right. Well, welcome back to both of you. Thank you. Um, I have no excuse. I just get tired at night sometimes, and I go to bed. But here we are. It's all connected. This is John back with Russell and Ken, full cast. Woo-hoo. Of its all connected guys. First time in a long time. Months yeah, right. even. Yeah. And uh and we are ready to roll. And uh for anybody that doesn't know, it's all connected is a Marvel Studios podcast. And we're gonna we're not gonna spoil too much tonight. We're gonna do a lot of news catch up. I know everybody's probably gonna miss our cool segments that we've switched to. Uh Morgan are has they? Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. Everybody on iTunes says it's really cool. Okay, uh, it's all connected. Version three we call it. You 3.0. might want to go back and listen to some. Maybe that will help you. No, I did. I did. I actually was prepping myself to catch up, so I was started listening with uh, the the rankings episodes, which I think is where you premiered. Um, I see three Didn't you? Or it's possible. It. It's possible. So, so yes, I'm aware of the segues and the clips and the and the jingles. It's it's, it's fabulous ish. So let's continue. I would like to tell one story from uh, my summer vacation before we get started. I decided to wander into a Toys R Us today. Uh, It was near another place that I had to go. And I was like, let's see if they have any of those newfangled Star Wars toys that I hear so much about. And the aisles were pretty bare. Except in the corner... There was a giant, what do they call those things that forklifts? Uh, a skiff? A pallet. A pallet. A, a skiff pallet. is a boat. A, a skiff is for a boat? Sure, sure. Okay, a pallet. A pallet of action figure cases. Ooh, they must, they've gotten their, they received their new shipment and have yet to unpack it and stock the shelves. Right, it's like 10, 15 a.m. at this point. So okay. Oh, yep. There's like Got two it. employees. There's a pallet on the floor. They clearly say 
SW action figures. On. And there's nobody. There's nobody in sweatpants hovering around this waiting to dive in and get the a variant that's invariably in one in each box. Oh, there's a sweatpant wearer, and he's coming up from behind quickly. <laughs> so I mosey on over there. I'm taking a look around. This guy has no fear. He has pulled you know, a credit card out of his wallet to zip the boxes open like a makeshift uh, exacto type deal. Like a shiv. Yeah, right, right. Well, yeah. Sure. And he's pulling out action figures. Now, I'm trying to take the got subtle it, Got approach. it, got it, got it, need yeah, it, got it. Yeah, right. He's got two Kylo Rens. He's, you know. Now, I'm looking at the boxes, and he keeps opening up, like, the same assortment. So he's like, no, he, he, he has no regard for whether or not the staff has inventoried this stuff, controlled it, or otherwise prepared it for sale. He doesn't care. Ken, he's not even reading the boxes. So he keeps opening the same six inch assortment over and over again and then complaining that, you know, it, it's, it's the same assortment. Right. I spot the eight inch deluxe assortment at the bottom of what I like to call the giant Jenga game. Of boxes. <laughs> Excellent. So I am going to... Now, there are boxes of six-inch assortments around the floor now <laughs> from the other man. Because he's, pants. like, I'm imagining him, like, on the floor, cross-legged, a little tiny hole in the sweatpants, open boxes everywhere, figures everywhere, and he's, like, practically crying because he can't find the eight-inch box that you have skillfully freed from this this pallet yeah i mean he's he's just trying to get to walmart as fast as he can okay next stop you know target by 11 so i take i have to find another box of around the same size to replace the one that i'm about to remove from the bottom corner of the of the jenga game so you, you you're like indiana jones swapping out the idol for right. the the bag of sand right judging the all right and this is when the 50-year-old uh, Toys R Us lady comes around the corner. Oh. And open boxes all over the floor. John with his hands on the bottom box of the Jenga game. He did it. <laughs> so we took a scolding. Uh, I did not. <laughs> I, he ran like two. He to talk about Indiana Jones. He ran with like the two. The giant ball was chasing him. He had the idol, and he was headed for the you know for the exit. Oh and uh, I decided not to wait around for the stock people to actually get them out on the show. Really? Whatever. The yeah, surprise with the oh man, I, I I'm actually disappointed by that. I thought you were gonna come out with like something amazing. No, no, I got, I got nothing. And I really, to be honest with you, I was looking for something for Russ. I, <laughs> I don't, I yeah, don't I had, really, uh, I'm not looking to buy those. I, I was in Walmart. I walked by and I saw it was picked clean. There was, you know, I think four um, of the Black Series on the hooks, uh, three Chewbacca's and a Finn. Yeah. I, I told the story on the LOD podcast, which hasn't, we haven't actually released it yet, but um, I got out nerded on uh on force friday so uh, i'll I'll tell this i'll tell the story briefly um but i had nothing going on it was friday or thursday night midnight i'm like yeah what the heck so the walmart is like two minutes from from the apartment we're at i uh i, I leave i go over there i get there at like 1205 i figure yeah, i get them time to get them open i'm like it's alvin texas like who is going to be at a walmart in alvin texas 
So I get over to the Star Wars aisle, and there's like eight dudes already there, and they've already picked through what, what was on the pegs and the shelf. And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, because they're still unboxing stuff and putting it up, but it's not nothing that I want. I just, I like the, the six-inch Black Series figures. That's what kind of what I was after. So I walk around the store a little bit. I come back. And the lady's like, oh, yeah, the inventory shows we got one more uh, display in the back. So the lady goes in the back, and she starts to drag out this huge, like, multi-leveled cardboard display that is uh, shrink-wrapped. And she doesn't even get it back <clears throat> down the aisle all the way. And there's, like, three dudes that, like, swarm it and start ripping at the cellophane that's that's uh, wrapped this thing up and start pulling out six-inch figures um, and so I didn't, it's funny, the only one I really, really wanted was the First Order Stormtrooper, the new Stormtrooper, because I think it looks really cool. Um, and I got every one but. So I ended up with a Kylo Ren, a Finn, a Rey, and a Chewbacca. Um, and I still haven't seen the... Did you get Doe or me? Close. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it was just kind of funny, but it was like, wow, I figured I would be the only jackass at Walmart in Alvin, Texas at... 12.05 a.m. on a Friday. Really? You really thought that? I really did. I really did. Because it's it's like... Uh, uh, it, it's not like a bustling metropolis out in Alvin, Texas. But I think... Uh, it's, uh, it's, it was Force Friday. I guess so. Yeah. All right. My brother, just real quick, uh, not to belabor this too much. My brother's a manager at, at a larger Toys R Us in Houston. And he said they ran out of the figures in 15 minutes... They did six grand by opening up that night, and he said they could have easily probably done quadruple what they did if they had the merchandise. Oh, easy. So, excellent. Well, well we're not here to talk about Star Wars. No, even we are. No. <laughs> even if it is a uh, tangentially related corporate property of the Marvel Disney Lucas Empire. And as much as I would like to take this time to make fun of Captain Phasma, uh, <laughs> it is time for news and junk. That was for you, Ken. Thank you. Thank you. Russ, I, 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 you're the most organized, and uh, I assume that you'll have some sort of uh, rhyme or reason for all of the news that we've missed in the last month. Yeah, so I've, I've had this running list uh, thinking that we, we were going to record, and then we ended up pushing. So I've had to actually shift news around that isn't news or rumors that became fact and the, and the, the stuff changed. Um, but I think the biggest thing we'll probably talk about, and we'll start off with that, is uh, Kevin Feige is now reporting to Alan Horn uh, over at Disney instead of reporting to Ike Perlmutter, which uh, is good for Feige. I think it's good for uh, for for the Marvel Studio side of the fence. Um, I could just see Perlmutter just like throwing things in his office and flipping his desk and and all that when the when the news finally came in, but. I guess those two had been butting heads for quite some time. Uh, Perlmutter is kind of a, a notorious cheapskate. And uh, if you haven't read or listened to the audiobook of Marvel, The Untold Story, when it gets to, to the later years, um, you know, with the bankruptcy and all that stuff and, and Perlmutter coming in, it's really interesting uh, to, to hear the stories of him when he first came to Marvel and, and when he first started running the joint. So it's, it's not really that surprising uh, that they butt heads. The interesting thing is, 
that Jeff Loeb is still going to report to Perlmutter. Perlmutter will still regain control over the, the TV side of things, which includes the live-action television as well as the animated uh, side of the fence. Uh, but Feige will have the, the movie side all to himself. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about that, because I have, I have some more thoughts on that, but, but I'd, I'd like to hear what you guys think. I kind of feel like it's not broken and they fixed it. Is that a, is that a wrong way to feel? I know that no. there are not many good uh, versions of Pearl, Mr. Perlmutter that you hear, but to me it's like, I don't know, man. Everything, what have we been saying for, I don't know, however long we've been doing this? Like, they just keep hitting home runs. None of the movies stink. Who makes this many movies that don't stink? Yeah. You know, Kevin, like, Kevin it's, Feige. It's, it's right. It's unheard. <laughs> and, and hopefully... It is just Kevin Feige, and and you know Perlmutter wasn't that huge a piece to to making it happen. No, I think I think it's it's good. Um, I mean, not to go too off on a tangent uh, away from this, but I've, there's been lots of talk about studio interference with films, and if it's good or bad. Um, you know, we always go to Spider-Man Three as the, the the classic bad example of studio interference. More recently, Fantastic Four, um, but even. In the Marvel Universe, some people will look at, you know, what happened with Ant-Man as, as bad studio interference or how Marvel really doesn't let their directors do what they want, quote-unquote, because they have their own vision. And and I think that's a case of – Marvel's a case of studio direction and saying, yes, we have a bigger world we need to, we need to build, so every movie has to um, play its part in the bigger bigger picture. That's, that's a different kind of studio influence – than the interference where they just won't let the director make the movie they want. Um, some directors can can thrive in that environment, some can't, and we've seen that. But all that to say is Kevin Feige is the common vision among all of them, and he's the one trying to keep the greater universe moving in that one direction. Uh, so I, I really think, um, well, if that really was a hindrance to him doing, making movies he wanted, that this will help. You know, will it mean better or different casting like I don't know if any choices were ever made because of cost for example that maybe now they could make or effects or whatever I I, I don't know we'll have to see what happens um, at this point in the game what would be the first movie that would be impacted by this decision maybe Doctor Strange because they haven't started filming yet right so I've heard that it'll be um, uh that it'll probably end up being Guardians of the Galaxy uh, 2. Because from what I understand, I think Civil War and Doctor Strange are kind of far enough along the train at this point that, um, you know, between Perlmutter and the Creative Committee and all that, you know, all right. that other stuff, that those those are kind of locked in. But Guardians might be the first one that kind of has its autonomy, which, you know, given the success that... Uh, that James Gunn had with it, you know, that one's probably, uh, you know, a, a better example of them being a little more hands-off just because of the runaway hit that, that the first one was. Uh, but it, it's interesting. I think maybe some of this might be a preemptive move. I mean, I don't, you know, I know that Feige's contract was, was renewed somewhat recently, but I wonder if part of this move was not, you know, John, I, I agree with you at first. I was like, well, you know, they're putting hit out hit after hit after hit. So even, you know, even with all this, you know, they're, they're, they're doing something right. Um, but I wonder if it's just like, you know, at some point Feige is just like throws his hands up and is like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And, you know, jump ship to go, you know, to another studio or to another part of Disney or whatever. 
and maybe Marvel, you know, Disney wants him to stay in charge of the whole Marvel machine because they want, you know, because it is such a success. And I think a lot of that um, is to his credit. So I think, you know, some of this is just to to make sure that he doesn't get frustrated and leave or get frustrated and just, you know, say, fine, do it your way. And I'm just going to, you know, kind of stand back kind of thing. Um, I, I know part of it I heard was the creative committee that that Perlmutter was big on the creative committee which is kind of like this loose term for Dan Buckley and uh, Joe Casada, and I think even, you know, like Brian Michael Bendis and those guys, um, where they have a lot of um, creative influence over scripts and direction and tone and things like that. Um, and I've heard reports, whether they're true or not, I don't know, of, you know, those guys, you know, having to review scripts or sequences or give feedback and then not be available for, you um, you know, any kind of back and forth, like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll put their two cents in and then go back to writing comics or, um, you know, to doing stuff on the animation side or something like that, and then not be available for a considerable period of time, uh, to, to work through the feedback and that, uh, that part of Feige's move is to just kind of consolidate it with him and Luis de Esposito. And I forget who the third person is, but just kind of like the, the big brain trust that have been responsible for a lot of the success on the, on the Marvel side and, and moving forward with that. Does between the coup, if you will, or whatever we, they, you want to call the Sony deal, um, really putting Feige in a much higher profile with what Sony does with Marvel characters, specifically Spider-Man, and now this. I mean, what does that really say to Feige's overall position in this whole industry, let alone just Marvel? I think uh, I think it puts him in a very very powerful position. Uh, you know, like you said, Ken, to be able to cross over into the Sony side, and uh, and to make an impact there, not just on you know with properties that Marvel owns, um, that's huge. I mean, that to to pull that off and to make that happen, and again, he, from all reports, was a very large part of that. Um, his cachet in Hollywood has got to be you know, just high, you know, as high as high can be. I mean, you know, 10 or 15 years from now, you know, if this, if this, you know, thing starts to slow down or isn't, you know, or he gets tired of it. I mean, you know, you know, like anything, you know, people do it for so long and, you know, they're, they're ready to move on to something else. But I think when he's ready, if that day ever comes to move on past what he's done with Marvel and Disney, I think he can pretty much write his own ticket, whether that be, take over another uh, intellect, you know, piece of intellectual property for Disney or another studio, or whether it's to running his own studio or being promoted up within the Disney machine to, um, to be in charge of, you know, all of their film uh, properties. I mean, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. Very good. It should be interesting to watch. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, Ken, we spoke about this a little bit on a on a previous show. Did you happen to catch the Death of Superman Lives uh, documentary? No, I didn't watch that specifically. I I did hear in many times in many different ways Kevin Smith's side of the story, but um, and other stories about John Peters. But I no, I did not watch that yet. I I, I need to. I want to. Yeah, and, and I only bring it up again because anybody interested in this sort of behind-the-scenes, what happens in the movie-making business, uh, great documentary on just dealing with producers and, you know, how things get blown out of proportion or how things can change, on you know, on a drop of a hat and, and the whole thing can go to crap. But Agreed. 
So next up, I have uh, Elizabeth Olsen. I apparently was uh, singing high praises for Daniel Bruhl, who's playing Baron Zemo in Civil War, um, and that her part of filming was only five weeks. That's that's all she did. Now, I imagine, uh, you know, Marvel, with a lot of films these days, are kind of notorious or famous, depending on how you look at it, for reshoots, you know, where they'll come back and, yeah. and you know, kind of tweak and, and, and stuff like that. So I imagine... You know, she'll probably, I would assume, be involved in some of the reshoots, but usually that's a pretty limited scope. Um, but she, she sang high praises. It's funny because, you know, she said, well, you know, Daniel Brühl, who's playing Grand Zemo, a major villain, you know, the major villain in Civil War. And it's funny, I, w- I always laugh at headlines because, you know, headlines, you know, grab something and then you d- dive deeper in the story. And it's like, well, is that really what that's saying? Um, I, I think from her perspective, you know, whether or not he is the big bad um, of the movie, which a lot of headlines have reported or not, um, I just think based on her five weeks of filming, that's kind of the perception that she got because she, you know, pretty much said, "Look, it's not like I sat down and read the entire script or had, you know, or was really involved with any of the other filming." Um, so I'm curious to see whether he is truly the big bad or whether he's just a piece of the puzzle. Um, and you know, maybe this movie doesn't truly have a big bad, and it's more just about circumstance and um, and the two sides kind of facing off. Yeah. I guess the biggest uh, piece of casting rumor right now is Rebecca Ferguson is really the, the rumors of Rebecca Ferguson being up for Captain Marvel are really heating up now. Um, and if you've seen Mission Impossible, uh, Rogue Nation, or you've seen Hercules, the, the movie with uh, The Rock, uh, Rebecca Ferguson had a big role in both of those movies. And I think especially after Mission Impossible, her stake um, or, you know, she's kind of a star on the rise kind of thing. Cause she, uh, she had high praise for in mission impossible. I, I, I thought she did fantastic in it. Um, you know, maybe not my first pick, but I can't say that it's a bad pick or even, uh, you know, e- even a questionable pick at this point. Um, I think we're all kind of maybe pulling for Emily Blunt, but, uh, which is still, still may happen. Uh, two things. Number one, I walked out of mission impossible five, googling rebecca ferguson on my phone (laughs) (laughs) that's how awesome she was in that movie uh number two emily blunt i don't know if you caught it russ i think i put it up on the facebook page recently um she was doing some press for sicaro i believe is her movie coming out yes and uh said she doesn't know who captain marvel is unfortunately and has never been she hasn't had a phone call from marvel or anything um, you know, could be red herring type stuff, but it sounded like she was like, no, you know, it's, I get asked it all the time. And unfortunately I do not know who Captain Marvel is or, you know, have not talked to Marvel at all. So that looks like it lost a little steam. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So James Gunn has tweeted that Guardians of the Galaxy 2, or I should say Guardians of the Galaxy Volume, Volume 2, two. Uh, has started pre-production in Atlanta. Um, and that there's still th- this I thought was funny too. There's still a major spoiler or uh, not spoiler, a major Easter egg out there from the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie that nobody has picked up on yet that he is aware of. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he keeps saying that it's like the biggest one. Yeah. And uh, you know, and, and he says, "Oh, somebody came close once." You know, who who knows? He might just be messing with everybody. I mean, if if anyone's ever caught James Gunn's act on Twitter, it's pretty funny. I mean, he engages the fans, but he can sort of sniff out a sucker and, you know, yeah. 
and and take them down that road. Um, and still, no Hulk in Guardians of the Galaxy two. That's <laughs> my promises, favorite. No Hulk. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. Uh, it's funny too because he could. Uh, I mean, this could be an Easter egg to like a previous movie that he's directed. I mean, he, he was very non-committal with the Easter egg. Like I think everybody's assuming it's some kind of massive, uh, Marvel Easter egg, but I think he's been very, uh, very coy about what kind of an Easter Easter egg it is. Well, it looks like Rachel McAdams. It's finally confirmed. That's another one that the rumor mill kind of right. ran around with quite a bit is confirmed in Dr. Strange. And that she's definitely going to play off of, uh, off of the batch. I was going to no confirmation on what character yet, though? No. I mean, smart money's on Clea, but yeah. it's definitely not been confirmed as to who she's going to play. I enjoyed her in True Detective, the second season. I didn't love the uh, the season, but I thought she was very good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that, that was a case of the parts being greater than the sum of the whole, or however you want to put that, like... Each each individual performance was really solid, but the whole thing was a little flat. But so when I we feel get like to, I, I I'm wait, sorry wait. I I loved the show with Rachel McAdams and uh, Colin Farrell, and I hated the show with Vince Vaughn and Taylor Kitsch. <laughs> okay, we we uh, we got to get ourselves up to uh, uh, Avengers Infinity Infinity War. I'm just assuming Doctor Strange will be involved in there, if only so we can get Rachel McAdams and uh, and Robert Downey Jr. together. And, uh, and yes, see if they do some kind of nod or something stupid about uh, "Hey, don't I know you?" or something, something silly, or even even, even we just get a good Sherlock reference out of them. Something. Act, yes. Oh my God! All three of them do a Sherlock reference. Wow! I'd never put any of that together until just now. Yeah. Welcome back, Morgan. <laughs> uh, so Chris Evans has been. You know, we talked about this before. I think, John, I think maybe when we did uh, the ranking episodes, we talked about Chris Evans and kind of the change in his demeanor and his enthusiasm, uh, his engagement. Uh, and he's really kind of amping it up lately. Uh, and I, I forget the site where uh, I pulled this off where he's being interviewed. And the interviewer is kind of asking him, you know, basically said, look, in the beginning you were pretty, um, you know, guarded about playing this character and you, you know you turned it down once and then it came back to you you know and you were real apprehensive about you know what this would mean for you um and and he's really come around on that so i've, I've got i got a cool quote um and he was really enthusiastic about it you know sometimes you can tell from actors they're just kind of like spewing um you know just kind of telling people what they want to hear but he was really animated i i actually caught the video of this uh, interview but he said a quote if marvel wants me they got me I've never had such a relationship where he said, I mean, look at my resume. I'm used to being on set and being, is this movie going to be terrible? Uh, he says it's Marvel. They can't stop making great movies. They just do it in their sleep. He said, it's wonderful directors and producers and actors and scripts. And it's like a playground as an actor. It's so mind boggling that I was tentative in the beginning to jump on board. He said, what an a-hole I would be if I hadn't done this. He's like, I mean, can you imagine? I'm kicking myself. I would never forgive myself. I mean, it's just the best. Language. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, but it, it's funny, you know. He he's he's come out and said a lot more about, you know. I think I think uh, I guess it was maybe before Age of Ultron, where you know they kind of talked about his contract being up, and he's like, "Wait a minute, you know, I, you know, I, you know, don't don't get rid of me just yet," kind of thing. Um, how much you so want to bet? How much you want to bet that attitude came out of th filming Civil War, 
working alongside Anthony Mackey and Sebastian Stan and the three of them just having a ball. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, like this, is, this was fun. Because, I mean, they're on, on screen, at least they seem to all get along and. Yeah, I, I get that feeling from the whole batch. I mean, well, like, yeah, the, the, the dub smash thing. And uh, I mean, Haley Atwell is like having a blast at all times. Um, and obviously Clark Gregg and uh, who is um, on Agent Carter and he's British and he becomes Jarvis. Jarvis. Oh, yeah. Um, I that, forget, guy. I forget. that guy. That guy. That James, guy. James. Somebody. Yes. Uh, wow. Wow. As you know the what? Internet yells at if us. any if anybody runs a Marvel podcast and knows the answer to this, James Darcy. There you go, James Darcy. Thank you. Yeah, like they all. I, I feel like they're always having a good time. Even what's his name is a clown too. Ward. Did you see? Yeah, the, Brett did, Dalton. Did you Brett see Dalton. the first uh, the first of the Dub Smash Wars for the big charity thing they're doing? I saw Clark Gregg doing Wrecking Ball. Well, I saw I saw uh, Patton Oswalt doing Wrecking Ball. Touche. <laughs> That's the way they wrapped that one up. That was awesome. They definitely, uh, I think, won over Agent Carter on that one, despite Agent Carter's special guest. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of it was Winter Soldier. I think, honestly, working with the Russos and just kind of being, yeah. you know, kind of having that exposure. I mean, he wants to direct. Um, and I, I think just kind of being on these productions where he's familiar with everybody, he's around, you know, people that, uh, that he could learn from, I think, I think is a help too. Um, but, but I think that's, that's cool. So we may not, uh, after yeah. infinity war part two, we may not have seen the last of, uh, Chris Evans is, uh, Steve Rogers. Yeah. And just as an aside, because I brought it up, um, I think Anthony Mackie is a great addition to this cast. I mean, we've seen him in three films oh, yeah. now and he's been just great in every single one of them. Yeah, again, he's he's another guy that looks like he's having just as much fun on screen as off screen. Right. I mean, you know, totally agree. So that's pretty much the MCU news, uh, and like I said, it was quite a bit. Um, I guess moving on now to Agents of Shield slash Agent Carter. Um, uh, it looks like Agents of Shield. I mean, just you know, more stuff is coming out. We're not going to really go too in depth on uh, on a lot of things here, but. Um, but they're really kind of playing up this inhuman angle, which I thought was interesting uh, because we know that inhumans is um, uh, a movie slated for, for the end of phase three. Um, but for them to go full bore on the TV side of it is, is pretty interesting. Yeah. I think it's going to be pretty clear how, I mean, I think it's pretty clear. It's probably going to be completely different, but you know, go for all the B levels, get some super more super powered uh, or powered enhanced uh, abilities in the field on earth. And then the humans clearly will be about Black Bolt and, the, and company, and 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 they'll bring in the more cosmic side of the humans with with the film. At least that's my sure. expectation. Yeah. And speaking of Inhumans, uh, so it looks like it's Sky No More. It looks like Daisy Johnson is going to be fully Daisy Johnson. I read and, somewhere uh, in the writers' room they had a they had a, a, a Sky jar. Somebody had to put a dollar in every time they said Sky instead of Daisy. So I mean, they're nice. they're really embracing that. It's, it's, her name is Daisy Johnson going forward now, which. It's going to be tough for me. We might have to do the same thing. Awesome. Um, but she's got, uh, they've debuted a new costume with her as well. So she's got the gauntlets. So again, you know, another thing that we 
you know, talked about from the very beginning, uh, you know, once, once it was revealed her, her lineage, um, you know, everything's kind of flowing along just like we thought. So now it's the the circle is complete as, as it were. I wish I had a quote for the, or a source for that article. That was, that was a a good article. It was months ago. I read that though. Interesting. So it looks like, uh, constant Zimmer's character who's been, uh, the subject of, of great inquiry. I mean, we talked about it on the show a little bit as uh, on speculation as to who she might be. Um, you know, just on internally amongst ourselves on email chains, we talked about it a lot. Um, and so I'm going back to something that John sent me a while back. It was an interview, uh, that, uh, that Jed Whedon and, um, uh, Marissa Tancherone did, um, about constant Zimmer. And the question was, does Zimmer's character have a name yet? And Whedon said she does, but it won't interest you in any way. And then Tantron said, or will it? I don't know. Hopefully it will interest you once you come to know the character. And then Whedon said, once you know the character, it'll be great. Yeah. Uh, so much speculation. I think we're fully in the camp of her playing uh, Abigail Brand and then possibly bringing Sword into, into play. Um, but it looks like Constant Zimmer is going to be a character called Rosalind Price, uh, the leader of the ATCU, which is the Advanced Threat Containment Unit, and her team, including Andre Howard as Banks. Um, so this led me to speculation. Uh, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, a basically a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent named Rosalind Price, in Thor God of Thunder, written by Jason Aaron, which is a recent kind of in, uh, reboot of Thor that was done a couple years back, there's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent named Rosalind Solomon. And uh, she develops kind of a, a, it's almost kind of like a bit of a love interest uh, with her and Thor. And uh, so she's kind of become a, a prominent S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in the comics. Uh, so it could just be coincidence. Uh, it could be that, you know, there's, there's just no connection whatsoever. It could be the Rosalind Price thing is a red herring. Um, but but that's, that's the way it looks, at least for now. Is um, the ATCU a comic thing? I don't believe so. I, 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 I keep thinking, it, yeah. yeah, maybe maybe this is their sword because they don't have rights to sword. It because could be. I mean, that's that's one of the things that we haven't gotten a clear answer on is, yeah, you know, do they, do they have it or do they not? Yeah, and the one thing with S.W.O.R.D. is, other than Thor, of course, I mean, well, that's not true, I guess. I would say Earth doesn't really have a a presence or an awareness of, of space-based threats, but we did have at least, you know, one known Kree and, of course, Thor. So it, I, it's, I think it seems to be a stretch to have a S.W.O.R.D. in the... In, in the Marvel universe that, that they've developed so far. Not that it can't ever happen, but I think it seems early to have a sword or something that may become sword. So that could be that route too. I, sure. I don't know. We shall see. Yeah. Um, so it looks like, uh, kind of like at New York Comic or uh, San Diego Comic Con, there will be no Marvel Studios presence at New York Comic Con. Uh, but it does look like the television side is going to be uh, there and present at New York Comic Con uh, for a series of panels. Looks like they're going to have three things going on. Uh, one of them, uh, Marvel Animation presents uh, Friday, October 9th at 3 o'clock. Uh, Jeff Loeb brings you the biggest animation panel in the universe or any other. Get an exclusive first look at new episodes from uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, Web Warriors, as well as glimpses of exciting new Marvel series and seasons on Disney XD. Uh, so we might get some news about uh, a new animated series or two uh, on the on the animation front at New York Comic Con. Uh, 
Also on Friday at 6 to 7, Jeff Loeb will be hosting a panel, uh, Marvel Television Presents Agents of Primetime. Uh, so uh, this will be the first to see an all-new episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. before it airs on ABC and find out what's ahead for Peggy and Jarvis in the upcoming season of Marvel's Agent Carter. Uh, so I think that's that's kind of a thing now that they do where, uh, you know, the, the Comic-Con is on Friday, you know, the panel's on Friday. They'll show the the upcoming Tuesday's episode at Comic-Con. I think they've done that. This will be the third year I think they've done that. Um, and finally, on Saturday, October 10th, uh, from 5 to 6.45, so this, this will be a long a block here, uh, join the cast of the new Netflix original series Marvel's Jessica Jones in their first ever appearance as they answer questions and reveal secrets from the hotly anticipated show debuting on Netflix later this year and celebrate some of the greatest moments from season one of Marvel's Daredevil, again moderated by Jeff Loeb. Um, so... It's 5 to 6.45. My guess is they're probably going to show the pilot for Jessica Jones. If I had to guess, I would say. I have a question. Uh, going back to the Perlmutter stuff a little bit and, and the TV stuff, is Netf- the Netflix series, this is probably a stupid question, the Netflix series, are they officially on the TV side of things? Yes. So they when you, fit right in with whatever purview Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter are under. Yes, yes. that's my understanding. Yes. When you look at the actual end credits, it's like, I think it says a, a uh, ABC Television Presents or, or um, it, the, somewhere in there, there's the actual ABC TV logo that's that's in that, uh, uh, in, in either the, the, the back credits right. or mentioned in the front credits. That's okay. Uh, that I just wanted to clear that up. Uh, the other thing, really quick about the animation side before I forget, I just saw a tweet or something today that uh, there will be an animated Guardians of the Galaxy um, awesome mix. There'll be a version. They're they're getting twelve songs for the animated show and putting out a tape as well. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah, well, and, you know, he, and whatever, it's obviously going to happen for Volume 2, so it's kind of a Guardians of the Galaxy thing to have, like, a tape come out. Oh, oh, oh cool. no, I, I I get it. I think it's great, but I think, you know, it's got a definite movie tie-in, so he's got the tape he started with. He just got the, the quote-unquote new tape that he finally opened, you know, 20-some years later. Um, so we still, so he's still only got a finite amount of songs he can choose from, so... It's not like he's got a, a got an iTunes or a Spotify subscription out there. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I didn't mean that. Um, I know Peter will have another tape. They're we, just we doing a soundtrack for the for the animated show. All right. Till he looks up under that you know secret compartment in the backpack and he sees Awesome Mix Volume Three. Yes, that's right. They'll work it in somehow. Yes. Or or maybe you know he'll you know as they get they'll go back to Earth and he'll get that Spotify uh, account. There you go. You might have to sell for the free one because I don't know if they take uh, they take units or not. <laughs> so that kind of wraps up the Agents of Shield, Agent Carter type news. Um, so the last bit of news that we have uh, is on the Netflix front, and the biggest news on that side is uh, we got a premiere date in a little mini trailer. I wouldn't even call it a trailer because we don't actually see any footage, but just uh, yeah. some images and sounds and and things, kind of like that early that Daredevil motion motion poster uh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but all thirteen episodes of Marvel's Jessica Jones will premiere on Netflix on November twentieth. So we finally have a date. 
that's exciting. I mean, it's it's just amazing when you're a kid, you hear, oh, time flies, and now you, you just see time fly. Like, we, we talk about this stuff like it's so far down the road, and, you know, here it is. Here it is. Another season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Another Netflix show. I, I have to admit, I'm really not that excited for Jessica Jones. I know. I know. I do a Marvel podcast. No, no, I, I get it because that's standing in your way of Iron Fist, and you're getting all this Jessica Jones news and not a bit of Iron Fist news. I get it. That has a little to do with it. I am happy that Luke Cage is playing such a big part um, in Jessica Jones. I don't really love Luke Cage either, but Luke Cage's best buddy is Danny Rand, so <laughs> it's definitely bringing me closer. Um, and I'm very spoiled because I already got a Daredevil television show, which is still like... You know, how many times? How many times have you watched it? I've watched it completely twice. Okay. Um, do you go back I'm, and I'm watch just your about favorite episodes, to... or like, do you, like one of the? No, I, I ran through it in order twice, okay. and the fights and stuff blow me away. I mean, I could I could definitely pick out like my favorites and stuff, but I'm just so ready for. Uh, I'm ready for Bullseye. <laughs> I'm ready for yeah. Punisher. The Punisher stuff is a huge tease, too. It's like oh God, John yeah. Bernthal is out there. He's like on Instagram and all sorts of things, posing with people, holding up Punisher comic books. You know, like he's he started the hype train, which is which is pretty cool. How's he looking to you compared to, say, all the other versions of Punishers we've seen on film? I have no problem with it. I mean, I don't think he looks like... I mean, Ray Stevenson is the freaking Punisher. Um, but he's obviously too old now and stuff. Oh, yeah. And obviously they're going in a younger, different direction. And I, I just... You know, I love John Bernthal's stuff. I mean, we loved him on The Walking Dead when we all used to watch it and podcast about it, that he was stealing the show. And he was great in Fury, which I just saw recently. And I think he had a couple of duds in between. What was the bad one he did? L.A. Noir wasn't it? That it was uh, the that Frank wasn't Darabont really show or something. Yeah, yeah, which didn't uh, didn't get very well received. Yeah, yeah, I think I think he'll be good. Oh, he's in um, Wolf of Wall Street. He was really good in Wolf yes. of Wall Street. Yeah, <laughs> um, almost played kind of like a caricature of a character, but he was he was very good. Um, yeah. So, speaking of blasts from the past, uh, Frank Wally uh, has joined Luke Cage as Detective Raphael Scarf, and um, again, it's it's like John, they're teasing you with Iron Fist because Raphael Scarf, uh, Detective Raphael Scarf, is a character uh, a little more affiliated with Iron Fist from what I from what I gather than he is with uh, with Luke Cage. I feel like he should, you know, he should have an alter ego, like he's the Scarf. <laughs> or something. Uh, it's right up there with Captain Phasma, but I guess that's one of those '70s Marvel names, right? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. I always, I can't. Whenever I think of of Frank Wally, there's there's two roles that come to mind. One of them is what's the movie? Um, oh, where he plays the the janitor in the Target after it closes with. Um, Man mannequin no close it was kind of a, in that vein um, the toy <laughs> no <laughs> which is a great freaking richard Pryor movie yes he's playing football with the mannequins after the store closes yes and he comes to lose the super bowl 
career opportunities with Jennifer Connelly, where she's riding the oh yeah i remember that the mechanical horse part yes there's a gif of that um yes and uh and him playing (laughs) yes uh and him playing robbie krieger uh in the doors he played the guitar the guitarman robbie krieger in the doors um but anyway so um so yeah so he's joining the castle luke cage uh when when it starts um and alfrey woodard uh, who I liked quite a bit. I loved her in Star Trek First Contact. She kind of played off of Patrick Stewart's character um, and had a, had a, a lot of really, really good scenes um, in that movie. Um, she's going to play the role of Mariah Dillard, and she's described as a local Harlem politician and cousin to the recently announced Cornell Cottonmouth Stokes. Um, and... and and says who is looking to bring a new era of change to the to the street she grew up on her personal life and professional career thrown into turmoil by both Harlem's newest hero Luke Cage as well as her cousin Cottonmouth's nefarious acts um which leads us to Cottonmouth who's played by and I'm I'm going to try not to butcher this but um Maharshala Ali who um if you're not familiar with him he was in uh the TV show Crossing Jordan for for a long time he played one of the one of the medical examiners um but most recently he's been on all three seasons of uh House of Cards he kind of played Frank uh, Underwood's former kind of oh, yeah, you know, yeah, go-to yeah, yeah. guy Oh yeah 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 good I really liked him Yeah yeah he's very very good um and uh and then kind of joins his his back his inner circle in season 3 uh, so I like him a lot, but so he's going to play Cottonmouth, the the villain Cottonmouth cool. in Luke Cage. Hey, Luke Cage, what's is he like? Has super super strong or is naturally strong? His 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 power is just his unbreakable skin, right? Or is there more to him than that? Correct. What, what's his origin? Yeah, Do you cor- know that? He he went to prison, and John, you if correct me if I'm wrong, but he 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 went to prison. He. I guess agreed to sign up for an experiment uh, to lighten his sentence. Um, and you know, the thing went wrong and then it gave him unbreakable skin yeah. and, you know, okay. so he, so he's the scientifically enhanced uh, type of. Yes. Okay. He has also for a period of time been a Thunderbolts leader. Yeah. Yes. Which is, I keep, you know, listen, as more Marvel characters get introduced in the MCU, there's going to be a lot of them that were in the Thunderbolts. Sure. You know, I've heard rumors that the Thunderbolts is something they'd like to do eventually. I don't know if they would borrow from the different movies and TV shows to make up the Thunderbolts or they'd come up with a totally different crew to be them. But uh, we do have a nice... If you take Luke Cage and Zemo and uh, Punisher, Elektra, uh, who else? Was, um, was Crossbones ever part of that? Crossbones, yep, yes, yep. exactly. Sure. Um, well, you know, you know who is interested in, in uh, Thunderbolts? If you remember from a year ago, James Gunn. Yes. You know, he, right, oh, yeah. they promised yeah. him. Well, if, they uh, promised. He, they said he was interested in it, and Feige more yeah, or less yeah. said, you know, and this is before it even premieres, like, well, if Guardians of the Galaxy does well, you could probably do whatever you want. And uh, I think we all agree that Guardians of Galaxy, Galaxy did well. So now it's it, that that's kind of an, the whole Thunderbolts thing is kind of an interesting conundrum because now that DC has gone full bore with Suicide Squad, if Suicide Squad does really well and then Marvel decides to do Thunderbolts, then I think they'll you know they'll kind of have the inevitable oh they're copying even though not really. Um, if Suicide Squad tanks, 
then you know then they might be a little gun shy about making a movie or a TV show led by a bunch of villains. So it's it's that it's kind of a I think if nothing else they may be hedging their bets on that to just kind of gauge what the reception is on Suicide Squad. And I, I that's feel, my opinion. I feel like these sort of properties, these darker, more violent properties, I feel like they're towing a line. You know, like Marvel's able to do it on Netflix. They do a little bit extra and it works out. I'm waiting to hear if Suicide Squad is PG-13 or R because it's a really fine line. Like if it's PG-13, you're going to get like a watered down Joker and Harley Quinn. It's probably going to tick a lot of people off and it might not do as well. And if it's R, it might make the hardcore fans happy, but then it's definitely not going to do as well. It'll be like a dread type situation. So I, I don't I don't know about I hope it, it looks pretty cool actually I mean I I hope it's good I hope it does well Yeah I agree I I I always say you cannot have Batman in an R rated movie I mean that that's my that's kind of my pitch with it is um, you know if Batman wasn't in it I could say okay maybe they can get away with it but I just don't see them putting Batman in an R rated movie but I mean that could that may one may not have anything to do with the other. And but. and I mean I guess the Nolan stuff totally disproves my point. I mean that was a hardcore enough Joker and it wasn't rated R. You know, it it came close enough. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. I I predict if they do PG-13 uh Suicide Squad we'll see an unrated uh cut of it, like Blu-ray or whatever. It'll have some sort of unrated version. Um and lastly, on the Netflix side, uh, a site, uh, John, you sent me this link, peeltheorange.net, and they're saying their sources are telling them, and this is this is pretty new, this is news as of today, um, about four new Netflix series that are coming, uh, two in 2018, two in 2019. Um, Moon Knight with Bushman as the villain in 2018, The Punisher with Jigsaw as the villain in 2018, uh, Deathlock with Fixer as the main villain in 2019, and Spider Woman with Madam Hydra as the main villain in 2019. That's the one that interests me the most because I think of all of them, Spider Woman's probably the one I never expected was on 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 deck. Yeah, I don't believe the whole thing, um, but I, I don't believe the whole thing because I could believe Moon Knight. We've heard it before, right? Marvel Knights. That's sort of the way that the Netflix stuff has gone. I I, I think that's sure. an easy one. I think Punisher is an easy one as well oh, yeah i think that's we're all pretty yeah. much done deal right okay yeah Deathlock is actually interesting to me because at first i was like they're not bringing mike peterson Deathlock onto a netflix show with that crappy catcher's equipment costume or whatever and then and then i started thinking you don't have to do that it can be a Deathlock. it can be version 3.0 much upgraded you know and you could refer to the old Deathlocks and how primitive they were and everything. Like, that one actually piqued my interest a little bit. Spider-Woman, don't you guys think it's too... I don't know if confusing is the right word, but is it, like, too muddled to have a Spider-Woman in the MCU that has nothing to do with Spider-Man? I, I yeah. don't know that it would have nothing to do with Spider-Man, honestly. So you think they'd work in a way to make it an actual spider woman like a Gwen uh No, no, I think it would be I think it would be the was it Jessica Drew? Is that what it was? I mean she's not she's yeah. not a Peter Parker Spider Family Spider Man per se, Spider Woman, but that's that's her name. I mean, no, I wouldn't expect Spider Gwen or 
or anything like that. But like, I think it's weird that it's her name. Like, she doesn't have any spider powers. Like, she's not a spider woman. Like, I don't. I don't. What does she have? Stingers or something? Or no, she has like pheromones. Yeah, power pheromones. Or yeah, but she's both. got the whole uh, climbing on walls too, doesn't she? She's got like all. No, this. No? no, only in that one guy's comic cover where her butt would stick ah. up in the air. <laughs> nah. No, I thought she could fly. She can fly. I knew there's something about yeah. it that she's somewhat. Spiders powered. don't fly, guys. Yeah. Well, you know the whole bit with that. That was Marvel. I'm trying to think. There was a. Re- it was kind of like the whole uh, She-Hulk thing. Uh, Marvel did that back in the day because there was a spider. I think it was because of the Spider-Man cartoon that they the spider woman. they introduced Spider-Woman as kind of like a preemptive thing or something like that, so that they couldn't introduce it in the show. And you, there, there's something similar. It was a licensing deal from the get-go as to as to why they they introduced that character, um, or it was to to protect the copyright you know so that another comic book yeah, company they get can... it out there before someone else can yeah right right so so it, she was kind of a, a contrivance from from the get-go um the, the interesting thing with with Je- with the i think part of the issue is you have jessica jones and then you're going to create a character who is in recent time has become a little more street level with with spider woman also named jessica so you're going to have jessica jones and jessica drew um, which is very confusing. And going back to the origins of of Alias, the Brian Michael Bendis comic, when he wrote Alias, he wanted to use Jessica Drew. His whole thing was he wanted to do a story with Jessica Drew of you know her because she hadn't been used for for a, a while. She ran a detective agency uh, for a long time in San Francisco in the comics, still with her with her Spider Woman identity. Um, but he wanted to kind of do the story of Alias, but just use Jessica Drew. And they wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let him use Jessica Drew. So he created Jessica Jones, and that's where the whole um, jewel identity came from. And she used to be a superhero, and he kind of retconned her in in a few places because of that. So the whole thing is a little is a little odd when you when you kind of look at the history of both of those characters um, and and some similarities with them. Uh, the the one cool thing that they could do with Spider Woman, especially with the whole Hydra thing. Um, you know, is is get into the whole brainwashing aspects of it, and you know how the fact that she was brainwashed and uh, you, you know a member of Hydra for a while, and then and then back and forth, and and all that kind of stuff. So that could get a little interesting, especially with with all of the all the stuff related to that. Yeah, I think I, I just think if they're gonna go Spider Woman, uh, going back to that, that they could go a few different routes. You know, like there's a Silk who you can connect with. Peter, you know, uh, right. Spider Gwen's probably not a great idea that because Gwen Stacy is not in the MCU. But I don't know. I think if you're going to use Spider Woman, you make it a Spider Woman. <laughs> and I, agreed. And I like I like Jessica Drew. I like the Bendis Spider Woman little mini series that he did. Yeah, that Bendis Malev Spider Woman was really good. Where she became an agent. She was actually an agent of Sword. Yes. Um, and it was they did a motion comic behind it and everything. It was yeah, I, I mean yeah, it was it was really good. But again, a little more you know more. Even though you have this character that has these crazy superpowers, they may they've kind of like I said they've kind of done this push to make her a little more street level. And John reminded me, uh, I almost forgot uh, we get, we have our Misty Knight. Yes, Simone Missick is going to be playing Misty Knight, which I'm not familiar with her. I I haven't really I I haven't she hasn't been in a lot. 
Um, and what she has been, and I haven't really seen, uh, to be honest with you, but uh, she definitely has a look. I mean, I can definitely see her as Misty Knight. I mean, she um, she, she looks like Misty Knight. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The, the look is dead on. And, uh, and, and again, like brings us closer to Iron Fist, <laughs> brings us closer to the heroes for hire. Yes. Yeah. And I will, if Colleen Wing shows up in Iron Fist and it brings Misty Knight and Colleen Wing together to some extent, you know, that's a home run. Oh yeah. 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 I could, I mean, that would be a pretty cool, you know, again, I think sometimes with these Netflix things, they just kind of see what hits, right? And so if if those characters tend to be a hit, I could easily see them doing a Heroes for Hire series. And, and that would be kind of cool, you know, having Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Misty Knight, Colleen Wing. That would, that would be that – could, that could be a really interesting show. Yeah. And, and um, Misty Knight, no superpowers, right? She's extra sassy. She has yes. a, a mechanical arm that I believe Tony Stark made for her in one origin. Yeah, I think I think it's had a few incarnations, but I think, yeah, the most recently she she had a really cool trick arm uh, from from Tony. So that was that was going to be my question to you, John. Uh, do we get Misty Knight with the robot arm or without the robot arm? Oh, I th- I think you have to. I mean, I think if she shows up without a robot arm, you can expect her arm to get cut off. <laughs> you know, relatively quickly. I mean, that's pretty. That's the character, right? I mean, sure, yeah, but they sure. just did that in Shield. That is true. So maybe she'll just show up with the arm, or maybe that's your in. Hey, we can. Don't worry about losing your arm because we can give you this thing that we just gave to Agent Coulson to replace it. So uh, who knows? But I'm just excited again. More Marvel in my Marvel uh, studios shows and movies is uh, it makes John happy. Especially the street level stuff. I mean, you are definitely, you know, if there's a corner of the Marvel universe that you're, you know, into more than anything, it's definitely the street level side. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the way the Netflix end of things is, uh, is coming together for sure. That's a, that's a mouthful of news. Um, I think that's, that's really all I have. I'm sure there's probably a couple of things here and there that we've either glossed over or, um, or neglected. But you know, for a single show, that was a lot of news to cover. Uh, and so it's, it's funny every time we're like the next show we're doing is the daredevil show and then something happens and we end up doing more news, but, uh, but hopefully we'll be able to sneak that last because I think we really just had kind of have one more daredevil show to do, to, which is to talk about stick and, um, Ben Urich. So hopefully we can get that squeaked in before, uh, the two weeks from now, the premiere of agents of shield, which two I weeks, hopefully will be next week. It's 29th. That was 22nd. Uh, I thought it was the 29th. While you look that up, uh, I will also mention that I kind of forgot and then re-remembered that uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2 and Agent Carter Season 1 have the same release date, but they are Amazon exclusives to start off with. So you can't go run down to Best Buy or Target and get them at first? Yeah, but S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been on Netflix for months now at this point. Yes, yes. Ken is a cord cutter, which we are all envious. Uh, let's see. I'm just looking for a date. I'm also looking to see if Amazon has some kind of cool box set that won't even be available when. I don't even have season one, so I'm not that concerned. But, uh, nope, Amazon exclusive. It just says 
Doesn't look like it's a super box set or anything. September 18th will be the Amazon date for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2 and Agent Carter. So this Friday. Yeah, wow. Days away. Right, and shortly after, I assume that they'll be in stores. Maybe not shortly after, but I'm sure by certainly the holiday shopping season, they will be released in all brick and I would mortar think. stores. Yeah. Yeah. My guess is this is a windowed release. Amazon probably paid them some extra cash to to get an exclusive. Yeah, we'll have to look into... I don't see any special like extra disc or packaging or anything like that but we'll have to look further into that i'm sure somebody will pick it up from amazon oh you're right rose 29th got two weeks to wait yep excellent we need more time yes because i'm sure the week before the show there'll be all kinds of news and extended trailers and photos and all kinds of crazy stuff for us to talk about so right and i think the idea tonight was just to you know we kept it lean we did the news uh we certainly, I do want to mention three people that left us new iTunes reviews, which is awesome. We won't do the whole Patreon spiel and everything. Uh, you know, if you want to support the show, mcuexchange.com, grab one of our articles and you'll see all the links. So, Molyonier117, I love saying Thor's hammer the right way. Molyonier117 <laughs> left us a five star <laughs> review. Uh, Wood Daver left us a five star review. And the Barton spot also left us a five-star review. So we want to thank those guys. Keep the iTunes reviews coming. Helps us climb the ladder. And uh, another thing I want to mention is the awesome Lee, uh, a new friend of a show, friend of the show, has been leaving a lot of our after credits scenes. We, we went to the after credits thing um on our podcast and lee's been doing the really cool like character bios and origins uh with the really cool accent uh so we want to thank lee and again we sort of hit some bumps in the road we haven't recorded in a while and i have a bunch of lee's recordings backed up so we're definitely going to throw one into the after credits today uh and we'll get caught up we thank lee once again for those uh daryl our good buddy daryl on a dare left us a Fantastic Four review as well. Uh, so we're going to throw that into the after credits today. And uh, we'll get caught up as we release more shows. Maybe we'll leave extra, extra in the, uh, you know, two things in the after credits till we get caught up. And uh, we thank everybody that helps, you know, and contributes to the show for sure. So, anything else? No, no. no. Thanks for listening. To episode 73 of It's All Connected, please visit www.mcuexchange for more awesome MCU news and commentary. I'm having trouble speaking this evening. Uh, You can find all the articles for our episodes there, along with links to the Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, and iTunes pages. Please check out our other non-MCU-related shows at hhwlod.com. Good night. With the news that Simo Missick has been cast as Misty Knight in the upcoming Netflix series Luke Cage, this is Lee with her origin and backstory from the comics. Mercedes Knight aka Misty Knight was first mentioned in Marvel Premiere issue 20 
written by Tony Isabella, with art by Arvel Jones in 1975, making her appearance as the character one issue later. Knight graduated top of her class when training to be a policewoman for the NYPD, but has her career cut short when a bomb blows off her right arm. She decides to leave the force with the offer of a desk job. Instead, she is given a bionic arm designed by Tony Stark himself, and starts a private detective agency with friend Colleen Wing, called Nightwing Restorations Limited. While working for Nightwing, she meets Luke Cage and Danny Rand, aka Iron Fist. Cage and Rand's heroes for hire would go on to work numerous cases with Nightwing. Knight at times would also have relationship with Cage and Iron Fist. As time went by, she would also get married to Danny Rand. She would also go on to help the X-Men, fighting villains such as Sabretooth. Misty also played a part in the Civil War event, when Tony Stark, Reed Richards and Spider-Man approached her and Colleen to reform the Heroes for Hire, to help catch those superpowered individuals who were not registered. After being initially resistant, she did indeed form the team which also included Black Cat. This would cause tension between her and Iron Fist, as they were on differing sides of the law. Misty Nice is extremely proficient in martial arts due to her police training and affiliation with the master of Kung Fu Shang-Chi and Iron Fist. She also possesses expert detective skills and is a marksman due to her training in the police force. As mentioned before, she also has a bionic right arm, which gives her super strength inset arm. This arm is also upgraded from the original steel spec to an Antarctic vibranium and diamond alloy, which among other things can produce a cryogenetic blast, covering areas in ice and kinetic forces. Well, now you know the origin of the newest cast member of Luke Cage. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Mask and Hammer. Thanks for listening. Okay, I am going to attempt to review the controversial movie Fantastic Four. Now, I have enjoyed the movie. I know it's been a lot of uh, heat that has been given to this movie and a lot of uh, negativity, negativity surrounding the film and uh, from the maker of the film, the director of the film, to the studio and all that. Um, I'm staying away from all that. I'm going into what the film is. I do love the Fantastic Four. I am a Marvel fan as well as a DC fan. Um, but I went into it with not expecting certain film. I went into it just looking at it for the film that it is. So, it starts off with uh, Reed Richards, young Reed Richards, and Ben Grimm. Uh, Reed is, is in school, and he wants to build something called the Quantum Gate. Um, and he successfully kind of he builds it when he's young, and it is cool to see him sh- as a child kind of having a dream that he wants to create this thing, and, and he's still kind of an outcast, and he kind of bef- befriends uh, Ben Grimm. And they grow up, you know, as buddies. And you kind of get that early in the film. Um, and then when he does create this, this quantum gate, and they do, uh, he's recruited by uh, Franklin Storm, uh, Dr. Franklin Storm, father of Johnny and Sue. And they're sent to a think tank, think, a think tank, as, you, as they say. Um, and their job is to create a working portable quantum gate that will allow them to travel to another dimension called the planet zero 
And uh, I do like, I did like Susan Storm. I did like her brother. Her brother kind of has uh, issues with his father, his biological father, and his adopted sister because they have a bond. The, the sister and the father have a bond because they're both scientists and they both have that uh, that knowledge is their 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 thing and they kind of have a bond with that and he kind of feels left out but what they do put in there with Johnny is that he um, he can build things he can build whatever he thinks of very well um, so he's not he's an engineer not a scientist really um, and it's kind of fun to he, he kind of has fun with it and he kind of bonds with the group when he when his father tells him because you destroyed your car I will not give you money to get the car fixed until you help to build this thing and he does that um, and then they make a mistake and they kind of use the machine when it wasn't really ready and so it's Doom Victor Von Doom uh, Reed and uh, Johnny and they go out and go to Planet Zero um, Doom is not as well developed he is kind of a uh, a, a prodigy who does not trust the system and that's his thing um, but that's kind of all you know he does respect uh, Franklin Storm who kind of wants to protect the kids and so when they go to the planet zero which is kind of the negative zone but they just call it planet zero they get hit with the energy and on the way back when they're brought back Sue who didn't go with them she gets hit with the energy as well, and then take. Then they have the whole thing where they're all affected. Um, now people complain and say that he left, that uh, that Reed left the group and and went off on his own when they, you know, when the government came and took them. And that's not exactly true. What happened was he went off to build the machine, but they didn't really make a good point of explaining it and this is when the film starts to go off the rails because and up until then it was a pretty good film about the building the machine um, you could tell and then they started to cut some things and Reed is on the run they get him uh, and then when they bring him back they want to rebuild the machine and they want to use them for the government so they've been using things people in the whole thing um, and he wants to send uh, he wants to send Sue and he wants to, they want to send um, Johnny on, on missions as well Johnny wants to go, Sue really doesn't, she just wants these powers gone she wants them to, you know, things to be back to normal um, so she helps to find Reed so that, uh, because they tell her if she does that, her father is saying if they do that then the government will help them to build the machine and that machine will in turn help them, you know, rebuild the machine and that in turn will help them to uh, discover what caused these things, these powers, and hopefully they can they can find a cure for it. Um, on, on doing that, they wind up bringing back and finding uh, Doom, who's been left on the planet uh, because he fell down and and he got possessed by the planet and that's when it really goes crazy because he comes back as some entity or being 
and he just starts killing everybody in the facility, including the the father of Sue and uh, and Johnny. And upon their death, he wants to basically destroy the Earth, our world, to defend his world, Planet Zero. He wants to keep that. Um, and they have to band together and there is a fight that ensues and somehow they find a way, Reed finds a way to, to uh, a plan, formulates a plan that they work together and they stop Doom and then they get a headquarters in the whole nine and now they are a team. Um, I liked it because it was a science fiction film. I liked it because I liked the way that the interaction between especially Reed and Ben from childhood on and I really loved the take on the father uh, uh, Franklin Storm uh, how he was kind of a protector and he loved knowledge and he kind of wanted to protect his family and he probably he kind of wanted to protect the kids altogether um, so it worked that way for me um, was it a well done film? The first half was. Did it have a lot of issues? Yes, it did. It, had, it was cut. So you could tell a lot of stuff that edited out. There were problems with the uh, funding and the whole thing, and they cut the budget and they reshot and that whole nine. And you can tell towards the part when Doom came back from the planet and how, you know, they kind of messed up the film that way. Um. So overall, it was. Uh, I guess I give it a, like a C plus. I, I think it wasn't a. It wasn't a terrible film. It and I think if people were to just sit down and watch it on, on its own merit, as opposed to going into it thinking I want the original Fantastic Four from the comic book, then you know if you do that, you're gonna have problems with this film. But if you just look at it on the terms of a science fiction film, I think you you can enjoy it. So. I don't know. Take it. Go see for yourself. That's what I always say. Don't go with the herd. Go and decide for yourself if you like it or not. When it comes out on DVD or whatever, it's probably already out the out of the movies. So when wait when it comes out, just give it a chance. Rent it for two dollars or something like that, and uh, or red box it or whatever, and uh, see for yourself. With Mahashira Ali being the latest member to join the Luke Cage cast, this is Lee with the comic book backstory of Cornell Cottonmouth. There are actually two characters called Cottonmouth in Marvel Comics. Birchell Clement, aka Cottonmouth, is a member of the Serpent Society, but here we're focused on Cornell Cottonmouth, a nightclub owner residing in New York City, and more specifically Harlem. Cornell Cottonmouth is first referenced in Power Man number 18 in 1974, and is shown in person one issue later. Cottonmouth is introduced due to an attempt to frame Luke Cage by Willis Stryker, with a shipment of heroin that belongs to the self-confessed drug lord Cornell Cottonmouth. Luke Cage then finds Cottonmouth through an informant, with Cottonmouth offering Cage a job as he saw them as kindred spirits. Cage accepts the job in order to get proof of his earlier framing. He gains Cottonmouth's trust by retrieving stolen drugs for him. Unable to find any evidence of his earlier framing, Cage phones the police to collect any evidence to to arrest Cornell Cottonmouth. Cornell finds out about this betrayal, which leads to a fight between the two. One of Cottonmouth's henchmen, Slick, gets involved and is pushed out of a window, falling to his death. 
Cage then confronts Cottonmouth about any evidence linking Stryker to the hijacked shipment, but he finds out that Slick kept all the dealings in his mind due to a photographic memory. An enraged Keynes then slams Cottonmouth's head on a nearby table, rendering him unconscious. Cottonmouth is then incarcerated. Cornell Cottonmouth would later emerge as a pimp working under the hand, which does lead to him getting his teeth broken. Those were then replaced by a golden sharpened set, in a storyline that also included Danny Rand, aka the Iron Fist. Cottonmouth doesn't have any superpowers per se, but he is extremely strong to a similar level of that of Luke Cage. He also has very sharpened teeth. Now you know about the latest villain cast in the Netflix series Luke Cage. Thanks for listening.